You're watching The Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates. You're listening to A Pirate's Life for Me on The Sports Objective. Join us every Friday at noon as we catch up with a member of Pirate Nation. Here's your host, Bubba Rosenbaum. Welcome into the Sports Objective and another edition of A Pirate's Life for Me. Um, we're just under a month from the start of East Carolina basketball and the beginning of the Mike Schwartz era. And today we're taking a trip down memory lane. Very excited right now to be joined by one of the better basketball players East Carolina has seen, and that is Maurice Kemp. Maurice, we appreciate your time. No, thank you for having me, man. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, it's going to be fun to take a trip down memory lane. Obviously, a lot of uh, fond memories of your time in the purple and gold. But before we get to those, you know, just take us back to your high school years in Miami and uh, then, you know, just your path to Alabama A&M. OK, so. Um, yeah, I, I started. Uh, I started at a I went to three different high schools. So, you know, much like college, I transferred three different times at college too. But so I started uh, at Strandham High School. Um, when I, my freshman year, I was probably five foot seven, 130 pounds. So, you know, wasn't, wasn't much of a prospect. I wasn't starting on JV. Um, junior year, I, I mean, sophomore year, I transferred to St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, again, same height, same weight didn't start on JV. So, you know, I was I was playing football at the time also. I was much better at football, but, you know, I just had a love for basketball. And I think the challenge of it all kind of, it made me want to work and get better and try to, you know, earn more playing time. And, you know, um, didn't really have aspirations of, or even think I could play in college at that point. I just, you know, I wanted to start on varsity one day. So, um, I transferred one more time to Day Christian School, which which is a uh, which is where I spent most of my uh, my life. It's a small Christian school, and uh, so I went back there. My my uh, one of my coaches had recently gotten a job there. He coached me in like uh, eighth grade or something. And he had gotten a head coaching job, so he convinced my dad to let me go back. And thankfully, I, I hit a growth spurt. Uh, my junior year, I was like six, one and a half at that point. Um, still not much of a prospect. Uh, I had a decent junior year, uh, probably, you know, 17 points a game, eight or nine rebounds. And uh, but hadn't played AAU, uh, wasn't really a recruit at all. You know, I didn't have any interest from college, colleges at all. And uh so going into my senior year, yeah, right after my junior year, I did my first year of AAU basketball, and I uh, I hit, I started growing a little more, and I got with a really good AAU coach, uh, Ben Bridges, who's still active in South Florida. Um, he really he really uh, was great at skill development as a former D one player, and he really he really like mentally he got me prepared for what I would see at the D1 level. You know, he just, he would always preach to me like having a killer instinct and being aggressive and just really 
locking in on both sides of the ball, you know, just the little nuances and, and mentality and how I approach the game. And he really took my game to another level. And um, thankfully, I grew like uh, like six inches going into my senior year. And um, I had a good senior year. I did Christian. I averaged like 26 and 11. Um, but still, you know, I, I was I was an unknown, a late bloomer. So I, I only had two Division One scholarships. Um, Alabama A&M came in. I had FIU, FAU. They were interested. FAU backed out last minute. They took a guy named Darren Stewart. Good guy, really good player. Um, FIU, they were ready to offer me, but uh, I don't know if you remember, Sogio Rocco was a coach at that point, but he got fired for Isaiah Thomas um, maybe a week before I was supposed to sign there. So... Um, FIU fell through, so Alabama A&M was the only school that really was left that really had an interest in me. Um, North Florida came in really late, and at that point, I was—I just—I really wanted to be—I uh, really wanted to go Division One, and I wanted to be the first guy from my school to go Division One for basketball. So I committed to A&M. Um, it was a—it was a good experience, you know. I, I liked. Uh, I liked uh, the coaching staff there, Coach Hayes and Coach Petaway. They were great to me. They really believed in me. But, um, uh, you know, when I got there, I felt like I could play at a higher level, you know, pretty early on. And um, that's when I decided to to transfer to junior college to kind of get re-recruited and everything. And I had a great, a great um, JUCO coach, Coach Isley. I actually spoke to him uh spoke to him yesterday um he really you know he's a straight shooter he he had a top-notch program down at miami Dade. he sent probably 40 guys division one mid and high major um in his whole tenure there you know i don't think he had a guy that didn't go d1 from his program so he was he was next level and uh he was he was straight with me he told me i would not start he, he told me at the moment i was i was i wouldn't have a starting spot i was going to be Behind uh, behind a guy named Kendall Jennings, who was a you know a top top thirty small forward in in that high school class. So uh, you know I went on and I wanted to take that challenge. I wanted to play for him because his track record. I knew he was great at developing players, and I went there and eventually got a starting spot. And you know uh, I think I got first team all all state and JUCO that year, and that's when uh. That's when ECU started recruiting me. Yeah, and during that time at Miami Dade, um, just out of curiosity, I did look up those numbers um, for our listeners. Um, you know, right at 17 points and 10 rebounds per game, and you ranked 17th nationally in rebounding, and uh, you know, regionally, uh, you know, within um, your region of of JUCO, uh, you were one of the top scores um, with those 17 points per game. So. Um, you know, East Carolina began your recruitment, obviously, Coach Lebo a couple years into his tenure there in Greenville. Uh, so if you would just talk about uh, the relationship you developed with Coach Lebo as well as anyone else on staff that was handling your recruitment. Yeah, so um, so Coach Kraft headed it up. He was mainly in charge of my recruiting. And, um, you know, they uh, they came in and they, they showed interest. You know, they – um. I liked how honest Coach Kraft was with me, and he told me there were a few other guys they were considering, but uh, 
you know, he, he really approached me just trying to get to know me as a person. And uh, I really, I really, um, my junior college coach, Coach Isley, he was great at, like I said, sending players D1 and also putting them in positions to succeed. So he had, uh, he made a list for me of schools that were recruiting me and he knew I was a gym rat, you know, I was all about trying to get better and, you know, improve my game. And his main selling point on ECU was how great Coach Lebo and his staff was at developing players, you know, player development and and how he felt that my game would fit in perfectly with their system. So uh, I, just from his advice and my respect for him, I held ECU in high regard for being a good fit for me. And, you know, Coach Kraft is a great recruiter. He, uh, you know, I really liked him as a person, great family guy. And, uh, you know, Lebo, of course, he he had a great track record. There's a lot of experience, you know, playing at a high level with UNC and playing a little bit in the NBA and his stint at Auburn. You know, I I knew of him. I, I was very familiar with his background in coaching, and I knew he was a great coach. So I was really excited when they when they showed uh, um, interest in me. So that junior season, that 2011-2012 season, uh, you started essentially half the games, 14 of the 30 in which you played, uh, averaged 10.5 points per game, which was third on the team. And then you led the team in rebounding with just under 6.5 boards uh, and, and uh, shot it very well from the, from the free throw line. Uh, one of the things that really stood out uh, to me you know, looking back on it, I know uh, during non-conference play that year, uh, you struggled shooting from the perimeter. But uh, as league play um, came around, you really seemed to find your shooting touch, uh, particularly from the perimeter. And uh, I, kn- I know um, looking back at some of the numbers within the last few days, um, the regular season finale was a game that really um, you know, stood out and was one of your better games against Tulane uh, when you had 22 and 10. Yeah, uh, it's funny. It's been so long ago, man. I'm getting old. I didn't even remember which game you were referring to. But now that you mentioned it, I, I do remember the Tulane game. But yeah, man, that uh, you know, transferring in as a JUCO transfer, it's 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 more difficult than people think. You know, it's uh, you you have to get caught up. You have to get adjusted to a whole new system and culture coming from whatever JUCO or whatever D1 you were at before then. And uh, it was a learning curve for me a bit, just trying to trying to see where I fit in, you know, trying to find my place with with a uh, with all new players and different roles, and you know, um, that the first half of the season, I definitely I struggled a little bit, just kind of acclimating. You know, I was playing the three and the four at the time. I was learning both positions, and I was just I I had a little trouble um, finding where I fit into the scheme of things with our with our team but um you know as as the season went on I did feel more comfortable and uh I think the coaches started to trust me a little more my teammates started to get to know me a little better and you know we built that chemistry up to where by the 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 time conference play rolled around I feel like uh I was I was really comfortable with the with the team and 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 where we were headed at that point moving on to your senior season uh, obviously, um, one of the best seasons in East Carolina basketball's history, you know, and definitely the modern history, you know, winning 23 ball games. And we'll talk about the tremendous run through the CIT a little bit later on. But uh, 
this is something I actually did not recall. Um, despite knowing what a what a season you had, you were the first player uh, to be named first team All CUSA from East Carolina. You averaged right at 19 points per ball game, and that ranked 30th nationally. Yeah, well, thank you for saying that. But uh, no, nah, I, I uh, yeah, man, I was I was fortunate, um, and I got to give credit to uh, Coach Lebo and the staff. Um, they trusted me, you know, they, um, I remember after my junior year, uh, I had a meeting with coach Kraft and he told me that they were going to trust me to, to make a jump for my senior year and to, they were going to rely on me a bit more and that, um, I would have to take on more responsibility with, you know, us, us losing Darius Morrow and, you know, Austin Steed and those guys. So, you know, I, I really, I really appreciated that trust they had in me and I didn't want to let them down. So, you know, that summer, me and Coach Perry, he was my, he was my positions coach um, that summer. And we just, we locked in, man. We, <laughs> I had some grueling workouts with him that summer, but he really, he really, really pushed me and he got me, he got me right, man. He got me ready for the season. Um, I don't think people really know, but I actually broke my wrist um, during the end of that summer going into my senior year. And uh, thankfully, it was just – it was the large bone in my wrist, so I was able to heal, like, right before. It only took three months, two and a half months. So I got cleared, like, right before the season started. But I was very worried about that. Thankfully, you know, it didn't affect how we got started. And, you know, M Miguel Paul was, like – I don't know. He gets a lot of credit for that season, but I don't know if he gets enough. Like he was, to me, he was the top top five point guard in the nation that year. And people, people, I don't know if people agree with me or not, but he was playing at a really high level the year before. Of course, you remember. I think he was second team all conference in senior year, especially. Like he he took a step back on his scoring to get everyone else involved more, and he really, me and him, built a chemistry and. You know, we really were clicking. That's our senior year, and he he made it easy for me. He made it not easy for me, but he made my job a lot easier. So I think a lot of my success is due to, like, the work I put in that summer and due to, like, Miguel and my teammates really trusting me and putting me in good spots. Yeah, you actually read my mind there. And Miguel Paul was who I was going to bring up Incredible. next. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> Miguel Paul, uh, Akeem Richmond, Ty Armstrong really developed and became a tremendous paint. Uh, yeah. and, and then also, obviously, Robert Sampson, PRC, so many key contributors on the on – Our team. team was loaded. Our team was loaded. Like, we, we had a – when we knew we, we would have a good team, like, because we saw we saw Akeem the whole, you know, junior year. He was sitting out, but we saw him every day in practice giving us fits, you know, like he was killing in practice and we just, we couldn't wait. We couldn't wait to get him, get him going, man. And like, obviously you saw what he did in his career at ECU, best shooter in the nation, his senior year, hands down, um, best shooter, one of the best shooters in NCAA history. So having guys like that, Shamar Bowden, incredible shooter. I remember I saw Shamar in the, in the JUCO tournament. We both, went to JUCO in Florida. I saw him in a JUCO tournament before um, the official season started. He hit like eight threes in the game. I was like, yo, who is this kid? Like, 
he was he's an incredible shooter and you know he had a lot of injuries um major injuries his shoulder and things like that that kept him off the court a lot of his his time at ECU but I think if he would have stayed healthy he would have had you know similar numbers to Akeem people may may not know that you know he was he was really an incredible shooter incredible scorer you know just unfortunate he had so many injuries but you can go down a list Ty um high major player who transferred to us uh yeah Paris great great defender great shooter like one of the best on ball defenders I played with still to this day so yeah we had a we had a great team man Rob incredible rebounder um you could go down the list we were, we were a deep team and I think that led to to the success we had we 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 really um we really clicked towards the end of that year and you certainly did and um you know developing into the the team that that you were down the stretch you know take us back to um you certainly had some success early in the season and then you had games like the game at North Carolina I, I know you had a double double in that one 15 and 14 against the Tar Heels came up just shy and got it within a couple possessions there and you know had a lot of uh for lack of a better way of putting it, uh, rear ends drawn up tight there within the Smith Center in the Dean Dome because uh, yeah. I was unable to attend that day. But uh, talking to some folks that were there, they said, you, you know, the North Carolina fans looked like they had seen a ghost uh, when it looked like <laughs> they, they may lose to us. But um, it's certainly a credit to what you guys were able to, to do. And, uh, you know, what are your memories of that one? And then just the way um, being battle-tested, uh, like, in games such as that, um, what that allowed you to accomplish down the stretch, um, having one of the best conference finishes uh, within CUSA and then obviously the run in the CIT. Yeah. Before I answer that, I want to double back because I, I didn't mention Aaron and, and Corvon. And, uh, you know, it was, it was unfortunate how I mentioned Shamar with the injuries. It was it was the same thing with, uh, with Aaron and, and Corvon Gaines, man. Like Aaron lost. I w we weren't able to play together what would have been our senior year. And uh, we lost Corvon from a good chunk of that season, too. And I, I still sometimes think about, like, how much more we could have accomplished had we had those guys, like, proven vets, like, four-year – Aaron might have been a four-year starter. You know what I mean? Like, just so much experience and so much skill on the wing, defensively, offensively. You know, they both, they both brought so much to the team. And, like, I, I do kind of – I don't, I don't, I don't have many regrets or anything like that. But I do think about like, man, what if we could have had those three guys healthy, like for the entirety of that campaign, like Shamar, Corvon, and Aaron. You know, it it would have been it would have been amazing. But to answer your question, um, yeah, no, that UNC game was fun, man. I remember, I remember we were just really loose. You know, it's when you're in that position, um, and I'm sure for the guys who grew up in North Carolina. It's uh, it's something that you you dream about playing on that stage in college and playing against the best of the best, and uh, you know you have nothing to lose when you're coming in as an underdog. And we we were confident in our team. We knew we had a a really strong team, so uh, we felt like we could win, man. I think if we had a a few a few more stops here and there, you know maybe a, a few more uh, loose balls or a couple more a couple more shots hit, we we could have. We could have taken that one for sure, but um, we were we were definitely battle tested that year. I think games like that um prepared us for 
for conference play. We had a real good run in conference play. I think we we won the most games in conference USA uh, for ECU team that year. So you know those those battles we had with teams of that caliber always and definitely um, prepared us for what we saw later down the line in uh in conference USA and in the CIT the CIT tournament. Um, the CIT run was awesome. Obviously, I think you know. Sometimes I wonder, because we got upset in the conference tournament, you know. Right. I think, uh, sometimes I wonder. I think I think about that game all the time, and I wonder what would have happened if we would have run the table in conference play, and you know, met with Memphis in the championship or whatever. Um, I think about how that would have went, but at the same time. I think the CIT room is so special for us, like having home court and for us seniors, like being able to uh, to get those extra games in front of the home crowd and those extra games with each other and uh, really seeing our, our potential kind of filled as a team, you know, because we really clicked after a conference play. We felt like that was a second chance to kind of not redeem ourselves, but show what we could do and kind of reach our potential as a team. So that run was special, man. It, we felt like that was just like a gift that we had, you know, for the fans and for ourselves just to get a, a few more games with each other. And, yeah, man, it just all clicked. It all clicked at the right time, and we just kept getting better and better and better as the season went. And it just, you know, it culminated with the with the incredible shot by Akeem and just the awesome win, man. It's very, very memorable. It's something I'll never forget for sure. Within the last couple of years, we caught up with Akeem and you know got his perspective on the run. And I believe it was Akeem that said, uh, just talking about that Savannah State game, obviously you referenced the uh, early exit in the conference tournament, how there was disappointment there. And there was maybe a little of that lingering. But once you guys found a way to, to win that Savannah State game late, uh, and those other four games in the CIT run, you know, really played tremendous basketball. Uh, you know, and I think about that Evansville game that was sold out in Minji's in the semifinals. Um, Evansville was a team that had beaten Wichita State, who was a Final Four team that year. They'd beaten mm-hmm. them twice, and and we just dominated that game by 22 points. It's one of one of the best, if not the best, game I've ever seen East Carolina play, and it was just a remarkable, yeah. remarkable run, and uh, and kind of like where I thought you were going a moment ago, just saying, thinking about what, what could have been as good as it still was, just as far as the, um, had we made a run to the big dance, uh, the way you guys were playing, who knows, you could have made a sweet 16 run or something. Man, listen, and like, I, I do think about that. Like, I'm not going to lie, I think about it probably more than I should, but, you know, it's, you always got what ifs, but, you know, I think, had we clicked like we did in the CIT tournament in the conference tournament, you know, who knows? Who knows? Because we, it got to the point where we felt like if we play like that, we could we could be pretty much any team. Like honestly, and uh, and I think I think it showed. We were we were clicking. We we were we were operating at a high level on both sides of the ball, and it was just it was chemistry. Just, you know, just all the work we had put in and kind of came together at the perfect time. And we were able to do, like, something special for, like, the ECU community. You know, it's, it's like uh, we had so much support 
um, in my time there. So like it felt amazing to just um, kind of bring the community together, especially the people that supported basketball. We always had the football support, but you know we we were able to reward the ECU basketball fans like in a great way during that run, and I was I was super happy about that. I know. I know the coaching staff was too. Lebo, he mentioned it so many times. Like he couldn't believe that Menjis would be packed out when he took the job initially. You know, and uh, and uh, a lot of the guys that had been there all four years were, you know, mentioned just the change and the difference in when they started to where it ended off with us as seniors. You know, it was it was awesome, man. Before I ask you about the atmosphere out at Weber State, um, you know, and that was a team that had won 30 ball games and had 10,000 plus at that CIT championship. But before I move on to that, uh, while we're on the topic of Menchie's Coliseum and, you know, what it's like when it's packed and rocking, explain that, uh, you know, from a player's perspective, the advantage that that provided to, to you and your teammates, um, because I've always had the vision, like you said, unfortunately, it just hasn't been packed consistently. But uh, I, I really believe one day that that's going to happen. And when it does, I think that the nation is going to see uh, what a tremendous home court advantage we have. Man, it's incredible. It was incredible. Like, honestly, it was it was so loud in there, man. And like just just the, you could feel the, the like excitement and it just it gave you a boost. Honestly, it gave you a huge boost on the court. I, I remember feeling like. Like when we were rolling, it's like a feeling of like invincibility, you know, when you got the crowd into it and you make it, you just can't wait for the next big play, you know, whether it's defensively or offensively. So I remember feeding off that and I'm sure my teammates would attest like it was, it was just like, it was contagious. And you're right. Like you see, we'll get back to it. You know, I think Lebo and his staff, they got, they got dealt a tough hand with moving, changing conferences. You know, it was a football move, but. It was a few jumps up, you know, in the American with teams like UConn and, you know, everyone else is in there, Temple, Cincinnati, who, you know, it's it's a huge jump and uh, you, it takes a few years to adjust. And unfortunately, Lebo had some key guys transfer out on him and, you know, making that jump is, is, is difficult and it takes a few years to adjust to it. And I'm sure the new coaching staff will, will, uh, will bring in the guys and, and get and get ECU to that point because it'll be there. People people realize it. Recruits see it when they come and visit. It's 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 a special place. So I have no doubt it'll get back to that. But um, but yeah, man, it, it was definitely a advantage in Menjis. I remember I couldn't believe we would talk about it in the locker room after each game, like Savannah State and and Evansville, Loyola, then Evansville. Like we just couldn't believe how how loud it was. You know, it's like the fans were on top of the court, and it was uh. Yeah, man, it was awesome. It gave us a boost for sure. One of the reasons it was one of the reasons it was so loud is because of some of the plays that you and your teammates were making, obviously. And uh, you know, you were on Sports Center's top ten at least three times, I believe, during that run, if not more. And you know, very quickly for our viewers, uh, I want to I want to show a quick ten second clip of one of those highlight reel dunks that you had. So, uh, you know, what are your memories of the of that uh, dunk or, you know, other ones that you had during that run? Uh, and, 
you and your teammates being able to uh, see that on the Sports Center top ten. <laughs> yeah, um, that was pretty cool, man. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, uh, I remember the first one with Ryder. I remember, I think Prince got a steal. And I knew, you know, Prince, Prince is a great guard, so I knew he was going to see him. So I was just trying to fill the lane as fast as possible. And I just, I knew I made up in my mind that if I got it, I was just going to try to take off, like regardless of what the defender did. And, uh, you know, he tried to he tried to take a charge, and, and thankfully I was able to get up and over him. But um, after that dunk, I just, the, the crowd, like the... <laughs> the volume level of the crowd after the dunk that's what I remember. Like it was just like deafening. Like it was they went crazy and my teammates went crazy. And I remember just like the electricity in the building, you know? And um it was like that every game after that. You know, just that electricity that we were feeding off of. And like I said, we were clicking, man. It's like we unlocked something with our team within 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 the team and with each other chemistry wise and just everything everything was working like our, our uh we were finding each other keem and 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 shamar and and miguel were knocking down shots left and right uh rob was playing incredibly ty was playing incredibly um it was uh everything was just clicking miguel was finding everybody like the the transition alley-oops and and all this other stuff like it wasn't just me he was throwing oops to Rob and and Ty and he was just Miguel was playing at a crazy level and um yeah I just remember every game he was like yo let's push the tempo push the tempo like nobody can run with us and uh yeah man we were just we were just trying to put on the show for the fans and I think I think we did a good job of that you certainly did um like you said the the roof was blown off of Minji's on numerous occasions during that run. And uh, you talk about your appreciation of the support of Pirate Nation and, uh, you know, specifically within Minji's. But uh, talk about when you guys arrived back from the CIT championship out in Utah and just how awesome it was to get to the PGV airport and, and see several hundred, if not a thousand plus fans there uh, cheering you guys on as you walk through the terminal. Yeah, for sure, man. That, the Weber State game was crazy. The atmosphere there was, you know, they, they packed it out over 10,000. And, you know, obviously the shot was unforgettable. But I, I remember us battling back. And, like, you know, even when we were down in that game, we we uh, we still were confident. You know, we still were very confident. And, and obviously we got the win and just on cloud nine, just being, being able to experience that with, like, my brothers. And, uh and yeah, man, when we got back, obviously we were just the whole plane ride back. We were just pure celebration. Just I remember being in the back, like of the plane, stretched out with Coach Kraft and and uh, Coach Potasnik, and and just celebrating with everyone. And uh, and then when we landed, we weren't expecting that at all. You know, seeing everyone lined up there, uh, waiting to greet us. It's like one of those things you don't forget, you know. And uh, yeah, man, it was just—I remember everyone was like, "Yo, what is going?" Like pulling out their phones, recording the the fans just chanting, you know, in the airport. Um, that was that was awesome, man. That 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 support was super cool, and it was it was a surprise for us, 
you know, so it was it's definitely one of those things that that you uh, you're going to remember forever. No doubt. And, uh, you know, moving on to your professional career, it's hard to believe, but you've been playing uh, nearly a decade now in professional basketball and you've had the opportunity to play in several different countries, I guess, four continents, I believe. And so just talk about your journey after East Carolina and just all the opportunities that the game's provided you. Yeah, man, it's, it's been a while. It's been a wild ride <laughs> so far. Um, so yeah, I've been playing nine years. Uh, it's my ninth season. Uh, unfortunately, I, I've, I've had a couple major injuries that, uh, you know, so I've had to sit out about almost three of those. Um, but yeah, coming out, um, I had the opportunity to play in Euro Cup my first year. Uh, was going well. You know, I opted to do that instead of the D League. Um, it was going well. You know, we had a couple NBA teams that were interested in me and uh, supposed to do summer league after that season. They were falling along with my games in Euro Cup and it was going well. But unfortunately, I, I fractured my leg. So I. Uh, and that was about four months into my rookie year. Um, I tried to rush back for summer league, and which was a mistake. I ended up refracturing the same leg and being out 18 months. Um, so from there, uh, obviously being out that long, NBA interests weren't there anymore. And uh, you know the teams that felt like I was I was a year away after that injury just kind of kind of went away. So I had to really I had to really start almost from scratch, you know, my offers after being out that long were half of what I made my rookie year. So it was just, it was a grind, man. I ended up, I got cleared in maybe January, I guess a year and a half after that, and maybe February. And uh, I joined uh, the Cleveland's Development League team, you know, just to kind of get back into a flow. You know, that went well. I played better than I expected. Um, after that year, I wanted to, I think I went to Greece. Yeah. And it was about working my way back up from, you know, the injury. So I, I, uh, I was taking less money than I felt I should, but I knew I had to prove myself. So from Greece, I went to, um, after that year, I had a brief stint in Estonia. Then I went to Lebanon. And then Argentina, which was amazing. Um, Buenos Aires was awesome. Great experience. They, they really took care of me out there. Um, signed a two-year deal there. Uh, it was a really a great opportunity for me. Good experience. Um, unfortunately, the the second year of my contract, they had like a uh, like an economic crisis. Like, you know the my contract basically tripled in value to them. So they wanted to renegotiate. Uh, long story short, I uh, I ended up, uh, I had a, a couple offers in Spain. So I, I went to Spain instead and, you know, that was going well. That was the highest level I had played on as far as Champions League and Spain being the best country in, in Europe for basketball. Um, had some good opportunities after that. Um, did a uh, camp with the Nuggets. They invited me up. 
So that was, you know, that was a great experience. Um, unfortunately, right after right after the season in Spain, I, I found out that I fractured my other leg. So, you know, um, where I felt like I had gained, gained up momentum again and was getting back to the level of where I felt like I should be. I had another setback and uh, I had to I had to sit for that for like nine months until I got healthy. And then right when I got healthy, COVID hit. So, you know, it's uh my career has been has been very rewarding, but a lot of challenges and a lot of a lot of setbacks, you know, it kinda through it all has kinda put things into perspective. Like basketball is a gift that can't be taken away like at any point. You know, and it, it helped me like appreciate the game more and to really it it made me work extremely hard like you know just getting back from injuries that could have ended my career twice like working back from it is like and being to the point where i'm back playing in champions league now uh in israel you know it's kind of a it was a huge challenge for me but super rewarding and it's made me appreciate the game even more if that makes sense so yeah man i'm just thankful to still be able to play at a at a at a good level in europe and you know provide for my family and i've been able to to see the world man it's, it's been awesome like in these international competitions euro cup and champions league you're in a different country every week i was just in greece last week and you know in athens and you know it's just i'm, I'm getting to see things that i never thought I would be able to see and you know and uh you know <laughs> when i was 16 like five nine not starting on my jv team i never thought that i'd be that basketball would take me all around the world and you know so i'm super blessed man i'm super thankful for uh for uh the opportunities for sure tremendous story uh, like you said you know for anyone out there who may be listening you know whether it's themselves or you know perhaps uh their child and it just it shows that you know when you said you were five seven as a freshman and you grew to be six eight and now you've um, been playing professionally for nearly a decade uh unbelievable story and just uh, and just showing you you know things happen um you know as in their own time so to speak um not necessarily when we want them to happen and just the you know the important yeah, hard, hard work and perseverance yeah, man. So it's all about how you handle adversity. You know, that's that's one of the biggest things I learned. You can you can sit and feel sorry for yourself, or it can it can uh, it can ignite you. You know, it can it can it can make you respond and and see what you're really made of. It can make you get the most out of yourself and uh, build your faith and and perseverance, resilience, everything. Man, it's like it's a lot of lessons that can be learned through basketball for sure. And I, I've learned them the hard way, but I'm, I'm very appreciative of, of all of it for sure, man. It's a, uh, you know, I'm blessed. I'm blessed big time. Final thing I have for you, you know, I, when you're at East Carolina, you, you majored in child development and family relations. So mm. obviously you want to continue your basketball career uh, for as long as you can, but uh, after you're done, now, what do you think you want to get involved with um, once you hang up the the basketball shoes? Yeah, no, I, I've actually uh, I've shifted from uh, at that time it was a uh, psychology was kind of you know something I was very interested in and uh, 
um, the family relations is I had a I had a vision of being a a, a family therapist, but um, you know I've shifted since then. You know, in my experiences and everything, I just I've really just over the years I've kind of been leaning towards the agent side of things. You know, I've I've been kind of helping players get jobs for years. You know, just just kind of wanting to help my friends out and like look out for guys that I know are super talented that aren't necessarily getting the opportunities I feel like they deserve. And, you know, so I've, I've actually, um, I've started working, working as a consultant for, for a sports agency, you know, just kind of seeing how I like it, getting a feel for it on a more kind of official basis. And uh, yeah, man, I have a passion for that. You know, I think in playing all over the world, like literally I bounced around so much, I kind of have made contacts and I've, I've kind of realized how um, basketball is all about the right fit for players, right? Like one player doesn't fit in every system. And I feel like a lot of agents kind of take that for granted when they're placing players. And I feel like that's a really key component, just knowing your client, knowing, um, knowing their game, knowing their personality and what coaches they'll mesh with, what systems they'll mesh with, what, what, um, and what positions can kind of help them be successful. So it's kind of where I've been pivoting as far as after basketball. Um, you know, but I'm open also, like coaching has also gotten, is something I've become more interested in. You know, I think I would do it probably on more of a volunteer level, but, you know, uh, I find myself kind of uh, just um, – not mentoring or anything, but when I see like a younger player on my team or like if I'm training and I see like a high school guy or a college guy, I just I notice I, I kind of really, I can't help but try to give pointers or give advice. It's like, you know, it's, it's come very natural. So definitely the agent thing. And, you know, I, I think I want to get into coaching on some level um, also. That's awesome. Uh, well, you've obviously established a lot of nice contacts and, you know, your former head coach, Coach Lebo, now on the staff for Hubert Davis at North Carolina. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah. you definitely have uh, plenty of folks in your corners and some nice relationships established. Yeah, I, was happy. I was happy to see Lebo get back into it, man. Uh, when he told me, when he took the time away, you know, um, from coaching, I, I was selfishly, I was a little – you know, I was a little sad about that. I felt like it was too early for him to 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 retire. Like, who am I to say that? But you know, I know he wanted more time with his family, and and uh, so I, I respected that. But when when uh, when uh, when he told me he was taking the UNC job, it, I was super super happy for him. Man, they they got a great coach on their staff, excellent coach and great guy. So, and you know, every uh, all of my all of the coaches from that staff are doing well. They've done well after. Craft is, you know, killing it. Garner Webb, you know, exactly. Yeah, every, every, everyone's, everyone's done really well. Like Coach Potasnik, um, incredible guy. You know, I, I can't, I can't, I can't get on here and not mention him. You know, he's helped so many guys uh, in so many ways after they left the program. You know, he's, he's since I left. You know, um, I didn't get my degree before I left ACU. You know, I went to play professionally and. I planned to go back in the summers, but he was the one, you know, all of them were on me about it, but he was the main one pushing me to do it, you know, and he, 
he pulled strings. He got me caught in contact with the right people. And, you know, he, uh, he really, uh, he really looked out for me as far as getting my degree and finishing up. And I know he did that for other players as well. Um, so yeah, coach Patasnik is, is an amazing guy. I have a really good relationship with him and we still talk all the time. Coach Perry, amazing. You know, it's like <laughs> one of the coolest coaches I've ever had in my life, hands down. So like, I have a lot of love for everyone on the staff and I'm, you know, I'm glad to see everyone's been doing great. Yeah. You mentioned coach Perry. He's actually, as I'm sure you may know, uh, still in Greenville and he spent last season alongside Jeff Charles as the color analyst. Uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah. so that was, uh, that was, yeah, interesting. Like that, man. yeah, yeah, of course, man. He, and the, you know, he, he had good opportunities with ECU and he did great when he filled in. He did excellent when he filled in. Um, I was following along with that and, you know, he, he was the head coach at Richmond for a while. I think they made a, a tournament run when he was there. So very capable head coach. I was glad to see him get that opportunity as well. Yeah, but, um, yeah man, Perry's amazing. He's a great guy. Great guy. Yeah. Like like you said, um, tremendous player at Richmond. And then he had also been a head coach at Georgia State um, following up the, the famous lefty Drizzt. Yeah, it was Georgia State. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh yeah. no, no big deal at all. Uh, easy to to mix those two up because he had mm -hmm. such an excellent career as a player at Richmond. Yeah, he did. He was a killer. <laughs> he was a killer. But Maurice, we really appreciate you, uh, you know, carving out forty five minutes for us this afternoon. Um, the conversation, um, you know, has gone extremely quickly, and uh, have really enjoyed your insight to to some excellent pirate basketball memories. You know, so you know, as we're uh, wrapping things up. You know, just one of the things that uh, we do here a lot of times on the show, um, obviously the ECU Pirate Club um, does a lot as far as not only providing for the athletic scholarships, but some of the other facilities and so forth. So, uh, you know, if you were you know, talking to Pirate Nation about your, your experience and just what it meant to you, um, just what, what would you say to, to Pirate fans when they're making that decision as to whether to give to the ECU Pirate Club or not? Oh, no, I I think that uh, it'd be a great investment. You know, I think I think that uh, the support is needed. You know, um, uh, Greenville is a, is a great community, and I think uh, anything that could be done to to help um, bring a, a a great basketball team there again would would be a uh, highly encouraged for sure. Again, really appreciate the time, and um, hopefully, uh, obviously, right now uh, you're abroad and you, you know you're you're very busy with your schedule. But um, you know, in future years, and maybe after you, you hang things up, or when you have a break in your schedule, uh, you can get back to to Greenville, and we'd love to see you at Minji sometime. And you know, please please let us know uh, if you're able to do so, and uh, we, we'd love to catch up. But uh, but uh, appreciate your time. No, nah, man, thank you for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. It's been fun. Pirate Nation, that is Maurice Kemp, one of the best to ever wear the purple and gold. We appreciate you tuning in to the Sports Objective and another edition of A Pirate's Life for Me. So be sure to follow us on social media, on Twitter and TikTok at the Sports OBJ, on Instagram at the Sports Objective. Like and follow us on Facebook, and of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel for. Former Pirate basketballer Maurice Kemp, I'm Bob Rosenbaum. You've been watching and listening to the Sports Objective. Have a great one, everyone, and as always, go Pirates.
You're watching The Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates. Yeah, yeah, my heart is purple and gold. I'm a pirate. 